Welcome back to another episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. My name's Sina, and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. And in this episode, I spoke with Yarun Kortu, the founder of the powerful CRM platform, Salesflare. Now listen to this, it's the most popular CRM ever on Product Hunt and AppSumo, which is the marketplace for, for softwares like this. And of course, for people who don't know, CRM stands for Customer Relationship Management. Basically a platform that helps you close sales, you know, dis- discover new leads, you know, stuff like that when it comes to sales and maintaining relationships with existing clients. And so in this episode, we cover why he decided to start a CRM platform given the crowded and highly competitive market landscape dominated by a few players. And we cover how he started a software as a service company, tested it and scaled it to now making recurring revenue from multiple users. And of course, advice about starting your very own software as a service company. It's a very scalable, business model and so for that reason I know a lot of you guys want to start a software as a service company because the variable costs are so low when it comes to you know bringing in new users and obviously that would be recurring revenue because it's software as a service so it's a massively scalable business model that I know a lot of you guys wanted to explore and so this is an amazing episode for you guys to learn about how you can do that. So before we get on with the episode, I want to tell you guys about Wing, obviously, my business, and we launched our LinkedIn page right now, and it would be amazing if you guys could follow us on LinkedIn to get the, to, to get the follower numbers up. We just started it. We're about, I think it's like 50 followers at the moment. It's quite low, uh, just because I started it a few days ago. So it'd be really good if you guys could go on to probably my profile is the easiest place, or you could type in Wing uh, onto your LinkedIn search. I'll actually, I'll put it in the description. That'll be easier. And yeah, if you call us on there, that'll mean the absolute world to me. So thank you so much. And any new follower uh, that has come from this, I can give you a shout out. I think that I think that can work. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Okay, sweet. So we'll do that. And of course, the proven way to get a shout out on this podcast is to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And as a thank you, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode because I want to share the love. You guys support this podcast so nicely. And yeah, it's very nice to do. So thank you so much. So that's it from me. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Yarun, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really good to have you on the podcast. It's it's a very cool experience whenever I get a, a SaaS you know, entrepreneur on my podcast because it's something that I love SaaS products, that they're hugely scalable. And um, I know a lot of young entrepreneurs, especially like my followers, my audience, a lot of them want to build you know, SaaS products just because of the scalability aspect of it. Uh, that's kind of where my business is already at. It will. That's kind of where we're trying to go to in the future. Yeah, massively, massively like having you know thankful for you to come on, and I think it'll be amazing for you to to give a guiding hand to a lot of young people who want to you know go into that space because your company Salesflare has really grown in the last you know few months or you know the last uh, since you started it, right? Yeah, in the last few months were a bit a uh, bit less, but uh, first the beginning of the year we had massive growth. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, we've we've gone to from zero, uh, let's say six years ago, we still had zero customers, uh, to now more than two thousand companies using our software actively. Um, it's not uh, let's let's say uh, you, you're saying SaaS companies are scalable, and that's indeed the whole uh, premise, and that's why it's so interesting and so cool. Also, because you build something, and you can immediately bring it to a lot of people. Can help a lot of people without too much effort if you set it up well at least uh, now the challenge is of course uh, scaling it um, and that's something we can definitely also talk about mm, yeah for sure we'll talk about that in a, in a bit but i guess before we jump into that it'll be amazing for people to know what is sales flare and how like what was the sort of problem that it was born out of 
Yeah, so um, we actually, we had another software company that was uh, sort of a SaaS company. It was like not entirely SaaS, it was a little bit SaaS in the sense that um, our software was partly installed, uh, but apart from that, pretty similar. And we had a lot of leads that we had to follow up and we wanted to build a good system there because uh, any lead that we would drop, we would disappoint and we, we obviously wouldn't get the revenue. Uh, there's, there's so much revenue lost uh, in uh, not just SaaS companies, but all types of companies just because of poor follow-up. That's probably the main reason why companies uh, miss out on sales. And there's CRM tools for that. And theoretically, they're built for that. Uh, if you go to any CRM software's website, it will say like, this will help you follow up your leads and it's amazing because it does this and that. But then when you use these systems uh, in practice, you'll very often find that it's just very hard to keep up with them. Uh, they come with the expectation that you're going to fill them out manually all the time. Like every little thing you do needs to go in there. Every little piece of information you see somewhere um, you put in there. And if you do that uh, constantly and diligently, uh, almost like a, a data input robot, uh, you will have the information to uh, organize your sales. But if you slack at any moment, which is very likely to happen, you won't have the data in the CRM. The CRM will not be entirely useful to you. You will put less data in the CRM and you, you come in this vicious uh, cycle uh, that in the end ends in you not using it anymore and your whole sales system basically falling apart. And we were in that place. Um, we tried a bunch of different systems. And then at some point we figured like, why are we actually doing all that uh, data input? Why isn't there a system that just uh, takes the information from all the places where it already is? Because most of the things are already somewhere. There's a huge amount of information in your mailbox, like the people you're in touch with and the emails you're exchanging and uh, information in their email signatures. Then there's some uh, complementary information in company databases, there's some stuff on social media, uh, There's the meetings are in your calendar, the calls are in your phone, uh, you can connect like some email tracking and web tracking and without any effort, you can have all the information needed to do your sales follow-up. Uh, still, we were inputting it manually. Um, so we set out to create a system that would do that for us and we obviously very quickly saw that it's not just for us. I mean. It's a lot of work to build such a thing. So we, we built it immediately uh, with other people in mind as well. Um, and that was seven years ago. Um, we've been building on that now for quite a while, uh, getting customers on the platform, working with them, making it easier to use. Um, because in, in the very beginning, it was very automated and, and, and all that. Um, but we, we sort of didn't really understand uh, how people are going to use it. But then when you see people using it, uh, you start seeing like uh, how actually all that automation can come together and, and also become a very easy to use simple platform. Because um, that's in the end, something like that boosts your sales. If, uh, if, if, if the thing is super automated, but still difficult, then uh, nobody's going to use it in the end either. Mm. So the, the very... I guess granular is that it, it automates 
the input of the of the clients of the leads and all of that stuff yeah so i don't i don't think you will at, at some point there was one system that did a similar thing uh, um but at this moment i think we're the only system that is that is really built from the ground up to automate these kind of things like what you'll see in most crms nowadays is that uh in their sort of in in, in the essence manual data input systems there is also some option to synchronize in things left and right, which will make it easier for you. Uh, but they're never set up from with the intention of, like, the standard put is is automated data input, and if you want, you can also uh, do manual stuff and keep control, obviously, of your data. So I guess the 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 product, the the service, was born out of your own problem of actually trying to maintain your your CRM, maintain your funnel. Uh, for your other business and that's so cool that you discovered that problem individually and then kind of built a built a service built a product around that but i guess did you as you mentioned did you validate it with other sort of businesses with them in mind and i guess when did you kind of make that switch of let's build this product just for us or let's build it for us and everyone else first of all we, we immediately saw it was something bigger than just for us uh I don't think otherwise we would have uh, started. I mean, it would have been fun, but we'd like to focus a bit also. Um, and then at the beginning, uh, we sort of set out our, our mission. We made this uh, brief investment deck, we made a prototype, and we started uh, presenting uh, to different uh, potential customers and potential investors. Um, but that was a bit, uh, let's say, presumptuous. Um, having sales conversations is not the best idea because they start asking you questions. Uh, the better thing is, and that, that's something we did a few months later, we took a few steps back and we actually started asking questions. Uh, so we would um, organize customer interviews. I think in the very initial stage, I did about 40 or so uh, with lots of different uh, companies uh, types of companies, sizes of companies, uh, different roles within the organizations to understand uh, how they organize their sales um, and what role software played in there and how uh, software could do a better job. Um, and there we learned a lot about how to um, actually build what we had in mind, but more within the context of what these people are doing. As, as a software as a service company, that is, you know, massively important. And I guess like when it comes to software, often you can waste a lot of time and resource building services and features that a lot of like, it doesn't solve those problems, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so that, that customer, you know, journey or like discovering the, the problem and stuff is really, really important. Um, so I guess my question is when it, when you did have those conversations, and when you did come to like scaling this the SaaS service, you know, for, for anyone listening, for young entrepreneurs listening, is that I guess what was the stages of scaling this this software as a service company? Was it like that you had those customer interviews, you built some products off the back of it, you showed it to them? Like, what was the sort of stages? Yeah. Um, so very initially, it was customer interviews. While we actually were already building the basics, um, it's it's sort of two two tracks in parallel, you could say. Uh, where on the one hand, you're building out a product from uh, an MVP uh, to a minimum viable product to maybe a minimum usable product to a minimum lovable product. 
um, to maybe a minimum that they want to pay for. Uh, so you, you keep building it out step by step, starting from the core. At the same time, you're working with customers first doing customer interviews. Uh, and maybe at a later stage, it's it's helping them uh, get get use out of the system, you know, getting them up up and running that they actually want to use it. And then at a later stage, you're you're starting to sell. Then uh, your focus shifts a bit towards uh, well, from the beginning, you're, you're focusing very much on onboarding. Um, actually, in the early stages, I would take um, our potential customers really from the very beginning of the sales process, uh, them being a lead and maybe me contacting them or them uh, contacting us through a form, um, to giving them a demo, setting them up on the software, teaching them all about it, uh, supporting them through the process, uh, getting them to pay, supporting them further, it was all uh, fully manual, which is something I would absolutely recommend. Um, because if you don't go through that very non-scalable uh, time, uh, it's going to be very hard to scale it afterwards. Uh, it's good to be very, very close to people, um, which, which, which you, you might think in the beginning does not make sense, uh, but it, it pays off massively because you see all these kind of small things that go wrong, which you can fix. You know much more about your customers, uh, so you can build with much more empathy. Uh, your close rate, uh, which is not uh, unimportant in the beginning, uh, will be uh, extremely low if you if you don't uh, guide people. If you guide people, uh, you can get a very high close rate. Uh, so with the small amount of leads you have in the beginning, if you want to make something out of it and actually get some customers on there, it's better to uh, do a very manual sales process. Um, I, I, I would never, never, ever skip that. It was so interesting talking with Jeroen about this and how so many people when it comes to software just want to build, build, build and they, they end up, you know, building all these shiny buttons, building the end product with a lot of automation, you know, AI, blockchain, whatever it is, right? And all that is so expensive and it takes a lot of time. And it's a massive mistake because, you know, Jeroen was saying, you know, that, that close relationship with your customer at the beginning when those things might be more manual and might not, you know, it might be, you know, a concept in the future that you want to sell them now, you know. And that close relationship with your customer very early before you start building all these shiny features is two things in my mind, right? Like the first is that you really understand the problem from, you know, your customer. You know, these are the guys that probably will, like, they will pay for your product, you know. So you need to really get a close relationship with them very early on so you can build a product around their problems. Like if you don't build it around their problems, then you, you'll fail. Like bottom line, that's it. And the second thing, you know, once you actually speak to them on a more personal level, not only do you understand their problem, but you understand them as people, their motivations, and you can really build a customer persona around that. Um, because obviously you're talking with them. They're not just like data on a spreadsheet, right? Like Jeroen was talking about that. It's not just, you know, customers, but it's actually because it's more manual, you do talk to them more often. And when it comes to that, you know, that, that's a big positive of having a smaller group of really engaged customers at the beginning is that you can actually speak to them on a more personal level and you can say, you know, what are your personal motivations, you know, what do you value as a customer um, when it comes to actually like personal things. And that will allow you to really understand from a more personal perspective who your customer is 
And so when you do scale it out, when you do building these, you know, shiny features and all these automation and things like that, it will allow you to kind of know exactly who you will sell that to in the future. Um, so those two things, you know, the problem understanding and also the, the customer, you know, persona mapping, that's massively useful to the growth. But I wanted to move on and ask you, Rune, about a really important thing in my mind is that when you are building in all these new features, you know, you know, growing your, your, your user base and all of that stuff, and, you know, taking their feedback on board, understanding their problem, understanding who they are as people, when do you actually turn the monetization switch on? When do you start, you know, charging them rather than testing the MVP and stuff like that? When is it like, when you go from, would you pay for this to please pay me now? That's a really important switch in the business model because obviously, you know, long term, that's how you have to be. But I wanted to ask you, Rune, at what stage do you move from, I guess, testing or is the monetization during the testing phase? I don't know. So I wanted to ask him now. Obviously, it could be during the MVP. It could be, I really want to get to the bottom of like when the right time is. Uh, I think you would just sort of feel that. Um, like I said, the first is the stage that you, I, get people to actually use it, see the value, put their time in it, make sure that they do something with it. If you're not at that stage yet, you can try selling, but it's going to feel miserably. It's not the thing to focus on. Um, so we had some people for free in the beginning and even for free, they, they weren't using it. At some point, one guy was using it. I was using it, obviously, but uh, one other guy was using it. I'm like, yes, one, one guy and then some other guy. Cool, let's keep going. And then at some point you start feeling like, okay, we're now close to a point where we can sell it. And for us, it's a CRM, so it needs to do a lot of stuff. That point is pretty far. Um, we then got one customer interested. Uh, we just felt that they wanted to pay for it. They knew that they were an early customer. They didn't know they were the first one. Uh, but they, um, they gave us some sort of demands things they wanted to see for them to trust it and to go for, further with it. Uh, we did a part of these things, they came on board. And from there, um, we started feeling like, okay, this is something we can sell now. And we, we actually started doing that. Uh, it was very, very guided in the beginning. Um, we didn't do any self-guided onboarding or something. People would fill out a form on the site and then I would get in touch with them and we would go through the whole thing. Um, now at this moment we maybe put a, a, a booking uh, form on the site i think instead of a, a form that would be a better idea uh, so they can uh, we have a moment that we immediately run through the platform and we go from there um and it's only at a later point um and that's it's a choice you have to make of course depending on whether you're selling to smbs or enterprises uh if you feel that you can get more people to use your product if you let it go and actually have a trial on the site and then have them go through it, uh, then you do that. If you're selling to enterprises, that might not make sense. And maybe uh, people in enterprises, they're not very likely to do a trial uh, and you're much better when, if you can, you can do some, some heavy, heavy guiding there. So then you maybe just keep it at a form and, or, or a booking thing um and, and go from there the thing with the crm and like I, this goes for a lot of other software as a service companies where i mean i guess people who see problems with those existing services obviously want to innovate in that space however 
when when there are so many competitors that are so established and they have already have so many users how difficult is it for a new company because obviously you have to already hit certain thresholds thresholds for features before you can already convert one customer because they have to be able to obviously there's a lot of switching costs when it comes to crms and other softwares right Mm -hmm. and um so i guess is that the difficulty with growing a software like this? Uh, the difficulty is uh, indeed if there's already large players out there and they have big budgets uh, and they make more money per customer, perhaps it's quite hard to compete with them in the the usual ways, like running some ads and uh, as usually for SaaS, this is the big thing. Like if you get VC investment, it's usually to run a, a ton of ads. Um, that just doesn't work very well for us, which means we need to do some more work. Uh, we actually need to uh, make our hands dirty. And uh, what we mostly do is we do a lot of work on getting good reviews. And we do a lot of work on getting listed in different places. Uh, we work on getting really qualitative content marketing out there um, so that it ranks better. Uh, we get a podcast. Uh, like this one, to get the word out there. Many of these things are not extremely scalable, uh, but if we if we do the work there, we see that we can keep improving uh, how many people know about Salesforce. Um, we can get that brand going further and further, and we can build up that traffic. And um, like I said, it's not easy, but but it's possible. Well, I think we have to end it there, Jeroen, because, um, yeah, we are slightly short on time. So thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was such a pleasure talking all things SaaS, CRM. How can people stay in touch with you and stay in touch with Salesflare in the future? Yeah, if you want to learn more about Salesflare, uh, it's just salesflare.com. So, and Flare is with F-L-A-R-E. Uh, you can follow our blog. You can check out our product. Uh, you can read about our product. If you want to check out the product, by the way, you don't even need to create an account. Just click try it free and uh, you'll get a walkthrough. And then at the end, if you like it, you can uh, connect to your emails and start an account. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Uh, there's only one person with my name, Jeroen Korthout, if you can type it. Um, so just type that into LinkedIn. You'll probably see it on the title of this episode. Um, and then send me a connection request. Do include a personal message, please, uh, because if you don't, I will just assume it's spam, like all of the other connection requests I get. Uh, but if you if you do include a personal message, I'll certainly get in touch with you and we can chat. Thank you so much, Jeroen. And yeah, we'll chat soon. Cheers. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. See you now. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Millennial Entrepreneur. It means so much to me that you stayed to the very end of the episode. It, it's honestly so amazing that you're, that you're enjoying it so much that you stayed to the very end. If you did enjoy, please be sure to leave a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts because it helps podcasts grow and it means so much to me. You have no idea. And also follow Wing on LinkedIn. We just made the LinkedIn page. The link will be in the description. Uh, that would massively help us grow as well with Wing, you know, my personal business, my, my baby. <laughs> And if you do either of those two things, I'll give you a shout out in the next episode as a form of a thank you because your support means so, so much to me. So that's it for me. Thank you so much for listening again and I'll catch you in the next episode.